0: So this morning, we are going to be in John chapter 1. So if you would, you can open up your Bibles to John chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 9. But uh, before we get into that, let me just remind us of where we have been over the past couple of weeks. We uh, are in a series called Made New. And the first week, a couple weeks ago, we talked about that we are made new in Christ. And because of that, we are a new creation. The old has passed away. And it's all because of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because if it wasn't for the resurrection, would our faith be worth anything? No, absolutely not. And so our faith, our belief, is based upon, all upon the resurrection. And we talked about how there is so much historical proof that Jesus was resurrected. Because how hard is it to prove that a person is dead? Is that a pretty easy thing to prove? Yes. And if Jesus Christ wasn't raised from the dead, his opponents could have easily provided a body, proof of a body. But guess what? There was no body. And that body was so well protected with uh, not just a huge stone, but with Roman guards guarding it. And they were professionals. Not only were they professional killers as far as Jesus really did die on that cross, but they were professional guards, too. If a guard, right, have you ever tried to guard or protect something, keep something safe? Yeah, and an object is easy to keep safe. If you were guarding a dead body, a corpse, would that be a difficult job or an easy job? It would be, you would think it would be an easy job but yet they had difficulty in it. And when you read about what happened, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was resurrected. And then last week, we talked about moving past our past. Because who here has regrets or something that we've done in our past that we wish we could go back in time and maybe change and not make those same decisions? and I think we all do, and we use the illustration of a car, right? The windshield is there for a reason. Our focus and our attention should be on that windshield, not that we shouldn't use our side windows or or back window or our mirrors, but if that's the only thing we focus on when we're driving, what's the likelihood that we're going to reach our destination? Not very... Not very likely. I I would love to see somebody to take their driver's test and when their instructor gets in, say, you know what? I'm so good at driving, I'm not going to use the windshield. Would you want to be that instructor at at that moment? No. (laughs) Automatic fail. The windshield is there for a reason. And with our past, it's there, it's done. We can't change it. But what we should do is learn from it. And thank God, thank God that our past does not define us. The mistakes that we've made, the sins that we've done, don't define who we are today. And just as we shouldn't focus on our own past, we also shouldn't focus on the past of others. Just because somebody did something horrible at some point in time doesn't mean that's who they are now. And we looked a little bit at at Paul last week. Did Paul always make good decisions? No, he did not. And yet, when we look at Paul, do we focus more on his past, on his, his negative things that he did, or do we focus more on the positives that he's done? We focus on the positives. And that's what we should do. So, we talked about that And the only reason we can move past our past is because of the grace that God extends to us, the grace that God extends to us. Well, today, we are going to be talking about a new family, a new family. Who here is a, is there anybody here who's adopted? Is there anybody here who's adopted? I'm going to ask you that question at the end because, I have a feeling there's more of you who are adopted than, than, than you think. Now, me personally, I wasn't physically adopted, but I have a brother who's adopted. I have a mother who's adopted. I have a cousin who's adopted. I have a nephew who's adopted. I believe I have more family members who are also adopted, but I also have friends who are adopted as well. And adoption is such an amazing thing. Hopefully, you're at least familiar with the concept of adoption. What adoption is, is is typically there is a child who either parents are deceased or parents are are unable or unwilling to take care of them. So they are looking for somebody else to take care of them. And when somebody is adopted, you have the new parents and they are promising, right? They are saying, this child is now my own. I'm going to give them my last name. And they will be no different than a child that is uh, blood-related. And it's kind of a shame because in our culture, I, I've heard of adoptions where somebody will adopt a child, and then a couple years later they realize, you know what? This isn't going to work, and they give the child back. Now, that's not how it should be. Because can you imagine as, as a parent You have a child. Is there ever a time raising children that you just want to give the children away, give them back? Maybe it's an infant, and they're crying in the middle of the night. And you're like, you know what, just get rid of them. Or maybe they're older, and maybe they hit those teenage years. How many of us have gone through those teenage years? A lot of us have gone. Were we always perfect children? Did our parents always say, man, I am so glad you're mine. And you know what some of, the, some of the funny things is? Is sometimes the thing that, that frustrates your, your parents or frustrates you as a parent is because you act, you do, you say the same things that you do. Doesn't that just irritate you when your children act like you? It's like, oh, I can't stand it. It's like, whoa, is that how I am? Yeah. And so we have a picture here of, of adoption, and when you get adopted, specifically into God's family, it's a permanent adoption. Just like there's nothing you can do to where your parents are no longer your parents. They may not claim you as, as yours, but, but you're theirs. With adoption, with God's adoption, once you're part of his family, guess what? You're there forever, always a part of his family And that's what we are going to be talking about this morning. So before we get into John chapter 1, let's just bow our heads and uh, just ask the Lord to really bless us during this time. Lord, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we just thank you so much that we have this opportunity to look into your word. Lord, and just as we spend some time in your word this morning, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, Lord, that we would, that we would pay attention to your word, and not only that we would uh, pay attention, but that we would apply it to our lives as well. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be able to take what you have for us today and just live it out in the world. Lord, that we would be um, good examples for you, Lord, and, and just that we would be bold in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's start off. Please follow along with me, if you would. John chapter 1, we are going to start with verse 9. The true light, and this is speaking about Jesus. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name... He gave the right to become the children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What does this say about God's family? It says that everyone is welcome. Everyone. Because Jesus, he came to his own people, right? He came to this earth, into the world, and the jews rejected them, and because of that god's truth came to all people so it doesn't matter what nationality you are it doesn't matter where you grew up it doesn't matter who you're related to it doesn't matter how tall or short or what hair color you have or what education you have god's family is for everyone Everyone is welcome. And as we learned last week about our past, your past doesn't matter. Everyone is welcome into God's family. So you may, you may think that you're not worthy. Well, you know what? You're right, because nobody here is worthy. It's all because of Christ's sacrifice. If we were worthy, would he have to die on the cross for us? No, we could work our way into God's family, but it's not like that. And, and to prove, right, to show that everyone is welcome, let's look at Jesus's family tree. If we were to look back in, in the Matthew, Matthew chapter one, it goes through a genealogy of Jesus Christ going through. And I just, we're not going to read through this genealogy, but I just want to mention a few names that are here. Jacob, do you know what kind of a person Jacob was. Jacob was a deceiver, right? He was a liar. He was a trickster and he was a thief. Think about this. His father is about to die and going to give his blessing to Jacob's brother Esau. So what does Jacob do? His mom comes to him and says, hey, I got a plan. Kill a couple, kill a couple lambs, right? I'll, I'll make you some clothes, You're, we'll, we'll, we'll put the skins on you, the furs on you, and I'll, and I'll give you your brother's clothing so that you smell like him. And that's what he did. He goes in, he lies to his father, steals his brother's um, blessing, because he already sold the, the birthright, right? He already took it by a bowl of stew. And then he, he took the blessing as well. Man, what if your sibling would have done that to you? Would you be like, man, you are the best brother ever? Or would you be a little upset? Would you be a little bit upset? Yeah, Jacob, not a stand-up guy. Not, not by any means. But yet, that's okay. That's okay. We read on further down here. Oh, David, the king. Man, was David a good guy? He did some good things, but did he also do some bad things? Yeah, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then, what did he do about it when he found out that she was pregnant? He ended up having his friend killed in battle. And when you read about um, his friend, Bathsheba's husband, he was with David from the beginning, ever since uh, King Saul was chasing him, right? One of his mighty men, and he had him killed. Can you imagine one of your good friends you're going to kill because you want his wife? Is that something that's like, man, yeah, we should do that, right? Is that something that that we should look up to? Is that something uh, as a good example? Man, let's do that. No, but God still used him. Now let's pick one more, one more here. Oh, Here's a good one. Rahab. Rahab, and she wasn't even a Jew. But what was her job? What was her occupation? A woman of the night. She was a prostitute. Is that a good job to have? Is that what every father wants to hear their daughter say? What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a lady of the night. Would that make any father proud? No. And yet, God used her. And if God can use people like Jacob, like David and Rahab, can God choose you? If he invited them into the family, do you think he could invite you into his family as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's amazing. You know, everyone is welcome. And we looked at Jesus' family tree. But well, the thing that really just blows my mind is that you're welcome into his family even though he knows you. God knows you. He knows everything about you. You know those secrets that you, that you keep to yourself that you don't tell anybody, not even your spouse? God knows. God knows that and even though he knows you he still wants you to become a part of his family and we need to realize that nothing is hidden from God absolutely nothing he knows you and he still loves you and he still died for you and as we read again in in John For those who believe in his name, not everybody is going to enter into this new family. Not everybody is going to be adopted. What must you need in order to be adopted into God's family? Faith in Jesus Christ. You need to believe in him. Believe that he died on the cross and rose again for you and for your sins. God's family is amazing. God's family should be amazing. What is one character trait uh, that we should focus on it? We, when we talk about God's family, is that godly community is attractive. A godly community is attractive. Have you we, when you were younger, did you ever go over to a friend's house and maybe that family was volatile, that family there was tension in that family, whether it was with siblings or with parents? Have you ever been in a situation like that where you're in somebody else's home and there's conflict? What do you want to do in those moments? Do you're like, man, I wish they would adopt me. This is fantastic. I want to be a part of this family. No, you're like, oh, man, I feel so bad for my friends because this is their environment. Maybe you had the opposite. Maybe you went over to a friend's house and everybody seemed to get along. The children, they, they respected, they honored their parents. And there was just peace in that home. It was that a family that, man, I would love to go back. I want to spend time because I love being in that peaceful environment. The family of God should be, right, should be attractive. When people, when people outside the church, outside of God's community, when they look at us, What should they see versus what do they see? When people look at the church, do they see a family that gets along? Or do they see a family that spends more time bickering and fighting and accusing and tearing down one another? If you're on the outside looking in and you see the Christian community attacking each other, is that attractive? Is that going to be like, man, I want to be a part of that? Or do you want to be like, whoa, hold on? See, the Christian community should be should be attractive. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. Now, we're going through, you know, on Sundays, we have been going through the, the book of Acts. So this is just a refresher for those of us who have, who have been here. But let's read chapter 2, starting with verse uh, 42. It's talking about the early church. And it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. You see, as the Christian community, what is one thing we should do is we should do life together. Now that's a phrase, it's it's a catchphrase, But it's really important. Just because it's a catchphrase doesn't mean it's bad. But it's something that we as believers should do. We should do life together. What does that mean? What did the early church do together? Well, they worshiped together. They gathered together. Do we worship together? Yeah, we're here, right? We're worshiping together. And with technology, it's great. Because when we have people in our congregation who can't make it here on a Sunday because maybe they're sick, maybe they're traveling. We can still worship together. And that is so amazing. We can worship together, eat together. Do we as believers, do we eat together? Yeah. Do we pray together? Do we cry together? When one person is suffering, do others suffer as well? And we help each other out. This week, just in my life it just happened to be it seems like a lot this week we were out helping each other you know uh, this week I was helping somebody um, butcher an animal to provide food for a family and then uh, Tuesday I think we had car issues car problems and so what did I do I called a member of our of our family of our Christian family I said hey I have an issue. Do you have time to come and look at it? And yeah, they came over. They looked at it. Said, man, you're in trouble. <laughs> you got some issues. And then later on during the week, I had somebody else call me. He says, hey, we're lifting something heavy. We need some help. We could use a, a couple of extra hands. Can, can you help? Yeah. And somebody else, even yesterday, said, hey, I need to move some stuff. It's It's heavy. Need some hands. Can you help? And yeah, and you know what? They kind of, I think... The people who I helped, they felt bad asking me to help. Don't feel bad asking for help because that is what family should do, right? If I need help, I'm going to ask you. Say, hey, I need help with this. If you need help, ask me. The worst I can say is, I can't because I got other things. But don't ever feel bad asking for help. Don't. We're family. You know, and sometimes, and maybe this is me, but sometimes I can get offended when people don't ask me for help. It's like, well, why wouldn't you ask me for help? I'm, I'm right there. Well, you know, you're, you're the pastor and I don't want to bother you. You're busy and yada, 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 Don't. I'm a person just like you. And I enjoy helping people. Is there anybody here who, who enjoys helping others? Yeah, I get great satisfaction helping others. And I know most of you, if I asked you for help, would you just say, sorry, nope? Or would you say, yeah, if I can, I'll I'll help you out. Yeah, let's help out each other. And that's part of what we do, right? We meet each other's needs. We meet each other's needs. The church is kind of like, I think it's kind of like a garden. You're familiar with growing things, right? what are some things that are necessary to have something grow in a garden what's that dirt yes you need soil fertile soil what else what's that sunlight sunlight very important water yes anything else oh good i was hoping somebody would say seeds because usually people don't think about that but what if you have a garden and you have no seeds what grows weeds (laughs) absolutely absolutely we need all of those things now what if you just have one of those things or what if you're missing one of those things what if you grow a garden you have no seeds right it's just weeds what if you grow a garden but you never add water is it going to grow no what if you only add water and you don't have any sunlight nobody mentioned but what about the temperature Is temperature important when trying to grow things? What is this below freezing? Are you gonna grow good, healthy crops? No. In fact, one of the the maybe biggest fears of a farmer is a late, what? A late frost. You hear that's coming and it's like, oh no. What can I do to protect my crops? What can I do to protect our garden? So we need to meet each other's needs. But what is the greatest need of all? It's not helping to move some wood. It's not help to, to fix a car. What is mankind's greatest need? Do you know what it is? Salvation. Salvation, that's right. Let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. It says this. It says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. See, what, have been, what has been made known to us, we need to share with others. We are a part of God's family. And we should not say, sorry, you're not invited. You're not worthy to be part of God's family. Only I'm worthy to be part of God's family. But nobody here is worthy. So what do we need to do? We need to make space. Make space. Is it hard to make space for other people? Are there people in your life that you would rather not come to church? Are there people in your life that if you see them come through those doors and sit in these pews, would you be against that? Oh, I don't like them. You don't know. You don't know how big of a sinner they are. Are they a bigger sinner than you? Probably not. Probably not, because we are all our sin- sinners, right? For for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Nobody in here is perfect. Nobody in here is worthy. But if we become a child of God, how should we then live our lives? As if we're a child of God. Make space. Why, why is it so important to make space in this family? Because out of all the families, this family should grow. This family should grow. One of the things that's always one of the mysteries of the universe is, is having children. There, there are couples who I think who would make great parents that struggle having kids. And then there's parents who I think should have no business having kids, and guess what? They have a dozen of them, you know? I don't understand. But here's interesting, and I'll, I'll share this too, is my parents couldn't have kids. They're one of those that that tried doctors, they tried everything, couldn't have any kids. So then they adopted my brother. And guess what? They got pregnant with my sister. And they're actually only 11 months apart. It's amazing. I don't understand. If I were in charge, I would definitely say, no, you are not having any. Yes, you're going to have a lot but I'm not in charge. God knows what he's doing. I don't. I don't understand why, why God allows certain families to be big, other families to be small. But what I do know is his family should be huge. His family should be huge. And when we as believers are living together the way we should, then we're attractive. And when people look at us, they say, wow, that group of people, those Christians, they really have it together. Here they are, somebody's somebody's barn burned down. Here they are, they're helping. We have somebody, he's injured, can't work his farm. Well, guess what? Men come in, and they help out. It's amazing, and it's encouraging, just this church family, what we do for one another, how, how we help other people out somebody is suffering we're there making meals we're there doing this we're there doing that and hopefully when people look at us they they don't see man that moreland baptist church man they have issues they're always fighting with each other hopefully they see us and say wow these people uh, they're family does family always get along does family always agree no But at the end of the day, even if your sibling drives you nuts and you can't stand them, at the end of the day, they need help, are you going to help them? I have a sister I would tease relentlessly. But if anybody else did it, watch out. She's my sister. Only I can treat her like that. You have to respect her. I've grown up. I I don't tease her quite as bad anymore. But that's family, and family is tough. You don't get to choose your family. God chooses. God chooses you. But we need to make space. Have you been, or maybe you are, are, are you one of those families at Thanksgiving, the more the merrier? Somebody comes in, yeah, we'll make space. Or are you one of those, like, okay, we have, I, I've scheduled 10 people to come, and that's it. Not allowed any guests. Somebody brings an 11th person and it just throws everything out. Messed up my whole system. We can't have Thanksgiving now. Our church, we should always be open and willing. We should always make space because our family should grow. And how do we do that? We do it when we let our light shine. When the world sees us shine, when the world sees us living in a way that is worthy of his his calling, people are attracted to that. People love that. If we were to go back into Matthew, we're gonna go to chapter five, or yeah, chapter five, verse 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, the reason we let our light shine, the reason we do good deeds, is not to say, hey, look at me. Look who I helped this week. Look how good I am. Look how much I sacrificed. No, when we do good for others, it's not to bring attention to ourselves. It's to point people to who? To God, to Jesus. That is what we should do. And it's hard being a light sometimes in sunday school we talked about that a little bit it's hard being a light in a dark world but if you hold up a light to darkness who's going to win every single time the light right because that's all darkness is it's just the absence of light so if we don't like the darkness how do we get rid of it we shine brighter We shine brighter. And we see that with with lights. A light is brighter at nighttime than it is during the day. So don't be discouraged by what's going on in the world around you, although if you look at the world around you, it's very easy to get discouraged because you see only the darkness. You You don't see a whole lot of light. Well, if we became the light, if we shone bright for the Lord, would that make a difference in our community? Would that make a difference in the lives of those around us? Yeah, when you go to work, and I'm sure you have co-workers that it's just a pleasure to be around. They show up and you're just like, "Oh, today is going to be a good day." And then you may have co-workers when they show up, you're like, "Oh, no. I'm just going to hear grumbling and complaining all day." Be a light. When you go to work, live in such a way where your co-workers are like, yes, they're here. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be encouraging. They're going to shine light. That is our job as believers. Our job is to share the light. It's to share the good news about Jesus Christ so that God's family can grow. Because, Who here is glad that you are made new, that you are adopted into God's family, right? If you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, what has he made you? His child. So beginning of the service, I asked, who's adopted? Nobody rose their hands. I'm going to ask you again, who's adopted? We We all are. As long as you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are adopted. You are a part of his family. He claims you as his own. And will he ever get rid of you? No. It doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you say. Once you're a part of his family, you're a part of his family, just like a, a, a child, right? It doesn't matter what they say, it doesn't matter what they do, they're always your child. Same thing with us and God. Once you're a part of his family, you're always a part of his family. And isn't it great? He wants to adopt more. And he can use us to share his word, to share the gospel. Actually, heard this morning there's a big praise. This morning, somebody here has two granddaughters that are now not just grandchildren, but they're your sisters now. There are sisters. Because last week they prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. How amazing is that? You may not like this, but I'm your brother. Okay, I may not like it, but some of you are my sisters, right? And brothers. We're family. I don't always have to get along with you. I don't always have to agree with you. But at the end of the day... I need to love you because we're family, a part of God's family, a new family. Isn't that amazing what God has done for us because of his his death and resurrection? I mean, think about that. He died on the cross so that you could be a part of the family. Is that sacrifice? Yeah, that's sacrifice. But what a glorious thing it is that God has allowed us to be a part of his family, this new family. Let's pray.